What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Shoot Your Shot Sports Podcast. We've got another big episode for you today with week two action in the NFL, NBA Conference Finals, the U.S. Open, and some Major League Baseball. Episode 16 coming at you right now. What's up, y'all, and thank you for tuning in once again. We're recording this on Sunday evening. We just finished watching the end of the U.S. Open. We got the Red Zone channel going on with all the 4 o'clock games. I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I feel like every weekend these days is just a huge weekend in sports, and this one was certainly no exception, so really been enjoying myself watching everything. P, how you doing? I'm feeling the same way you are. It's just sports overload. I mean, we've never had the NFL regular season and NBA playoffs going on at the same time. So those two things, in addition to that, I mean, with the U.S. Open going on, everything else, it, it's been pretty crazy. Good yeah. uh, good one o'clock slate of NFL games today. Yeah, when you walked in today, I was watching the Falcons versus Cowboys on the TV. I was watching the Red Zone channel on my computer, and I was watching the U.S. Open on my phone. So that's kind of how these days go. Yeah, exactly. You had a lot going on. I love that. And the U.S. Open just wrapped up. Bryson DeChambeau won his first major. So so good for him. But yeah, man, just a lot going on in the sports world. It was not only good for Bryson DeChambeau, it was great for Team All Girth. Team it, All Girth got yes. a huge victory <laughs> led by Girth Brooks himself, Bryson DeChambeau. So we're straight killing it. I don't want to hear about Team Bad Boy for a while because Team All Girth's got it on lock. Okay, fair enough. Well, we'll, we'll circle back to more Bryson DeChambeau winning the major in the U.S. Open later. But you want to start out talking some NFL? Let's talk some NFL. So, I mean, we got a lot we could jump into right now. I want to start off with a couple of teams that needed to bounce back after week one losses. The first one being the Browns on Thursday night after losing week one and looking absolutely terrible against the Ravens, which, like I said last week, that's not too bad because the Ravens are awesome. But they played the Bengals this week. They looked much better, although it's still going to be kind of hard to gauge them. I mean, when you lose to a great team and then you beat one of the worst teams in the league, it's, you still don't really know where you're at. You see anything big from the Browns? They are what they are. Like they're they're going to beat bad teams. Baker Mayfield might light it up against bad teams. They just haven't performed against the good ones. Uh, but that was a really fun game to watch. Again, I'm going to talk about the Bengals being in my top five most fun teams to watch this year. They're they're the cardiac cats with Joey Burrow bringing them down the field with that backdoor cover. Lost 35-30. It was a great game. Uh, good quarterback play, but. I mean, I, I don't expect either of these teams to make the playoffs, I don't think. Yeah, the Browns at least had a good running game going. I think they ran for 210 yards. I mean, Nick Chubb is really, really good. Kareem Hunt came in there. I think he had 86 yards or so. But yeah, Joe Burrow and the Bengals, they had him throw the ball 61 times, which I'm not sure was exactly the game plan. But when you fall behind, you got to air it out. I guess that's the one way to get him some experience. Just gun it all game. I guess so. Throw him into the fire. I mean, he is the one guy who can handle that, right? Joe Burrow had a legendary last season at LSU. He is very pro-ready, so hopefully they continue to let him air it out. I think I saw that um, 
there were like six different Bengals pass catchers that had more catches than A.J. Green in this game. Wow. So I think our boy might be a little washed. But anyway, the, the Bengals are fun to watch. The Browns might get a little more fun if they can get OBJ involved. They got a great backfield. Kind of a fantasy football player's nightmare with the whole Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb situation because it's so dependent on game flow who gets those touches. But anyway. Yeah, Chubby, AJ Green, lots of dogs going on. What about the Tampa Bay Bucks? They lost to the Saints in week one. They really needed a bounce back game, especially with a second consecutive division game going on. They were playing the Panthers this week. They beat them 21, sorry, 31 to 17, but still didn't look that great, especially offensively. Tom Brady only threw for 217 yards, had one touchdown and one pick. One really surprising stat line from there was Leonard Fournette going over 100 yards. He only had 12 carries, so I'm not sure he's going to be the number one back going forward for real life or for fantasy purposes because Ronald Jones is still around. But big game for him. Mike Evans got back on track. What do you think about the Bucks? Well, first of all, it was good for them to just get that first win of the Tom Brady era, get that dub under their belt, even though it was against a pretty terrible Panthers team. But yeah, Tom Brady, he's just, he needs to build chemistry with these wide receivers. He was on track with Mike Evans today. I think Chris Godwin was out for this game. So, you know, as Chris Godwin gets back and gets healthy, Brady will need to build that chemistry with him as well. But yeah, the Bucks, it's good for them to get to one and one. I think the Saints are going to run away with this division, honestly, but the Bucks should be able to get a wild card. So they just need to keep improving and get to the playoffs i feel good about the bucks offense eventually right now it's not on track but they haven't had much of an offseason to mesh really well with brady and those new receivers and Gronk getting in the mix as well and leonard fournette is brand new to the team also so i think their offense is going to be really good one day i think the more promising sign for them is how well their defense played in this game they had five sacks forced two turnovers so if that defense plays that well because that's the biggest question mark on this team if they can contribute and that offense eventually gets on track they could be a force to be reckoned with Yes, the Saints are going to be very tough, but with three wild cards this year, I think the Bucks have a very good shot at one of those three. Yeah, and we talked about last week the Bucks having like a historically good run defense last mm-hmm. year, which is kind of sneaky, but that linebacker duo, Devin White, Levante David, they're really good, really solid up front in that front seven. So keep an eye on the Bucks to get better as the season moves on. But uh, moving on to a couple other teams, the NFC North. Mm-hmm. So the favorite in that division going into the year, I think at minus 160 was the Minnesota Vikings, surprisingly. Sure? I think the Lions were a massive favorite in that division. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll get to them in a second. Yeah, I know you're a huge Lions guy this year. That's kind of unfortunate. Um, so the Vikings were minus 160. They have now started 0-2. So I'm patting myself on the back on that one. I faded them. Uh, the Packers, 2-0. and They got back to their roots of their run first game today. Had 259 rushing yards on 7.4 yards per carry. What did you see from the pack? Well, Aaron Jones went nuts today. He had over 200 total yards because in addition to his whatever he had, 160, 170 yards on the ground, he also had a couple of big catches. He had three total touchdowns. So the Packers look awesome with the start for the Lions and the Vikings, they've got to be the favorite. Although the Bears are 2-0 also. Yeah, is Mitch Trubisky elite? Mitch Trubisky. Okay, so it's funny because I was watching Red Zone today and I did see them flash over to the Bears at one point in time and Mitchell Trubisky had another beautiful throw into the end zone that got dropped, but he's hanging in there, but his stats don't work good. So no, Mitchell Trubisky is not elite. He's less elite than Gardner Minshew. Yeah, well, I, I'm joking about Trubisky. I'm not joking about Minshew. Minshew had, what, I think 340 yards and three tutties today? And two picks. Dude, th- those were garbage time. <laughs> garbage time down three in the fourth quarter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are garbage time, dude. Any stats that don't favor my guys, I'm going to call garbage time. So yeah. just prepare for that. Okay, fair enough. But yeah, you were talking about the Vikings, too. Kirk Cousins had not garbage time, but a lot of garbage out there today. He was 11 for 26 for 113 yards and three picks. Do you like that? 
<laughs> I do not like that. No, that that's pretty terrible. Well, I like it great. from the standpoint that I want to look smart by fading them to make the playoffs this year. Yeah, the Vikings not up to a great start, nor are the future juggernaut Lions. I still think they're just lulling everybody to sleep and they're going to pounce in the very near future. But but yeah, not a great start. Yeah, I I'm, I'm, think I'm out on the Lions pounce. I do think they could you know, steal a seven seed. You got that extra playoff spot this year. I do like the Lions offense. So as Kenny Galladay comes back, hopefully they pick it up. And then one thing I want to throw in there real quick that I feel like we at least need to mention from this slate of one o'clock games, a lot of injuries, unfortunately. Yeah, that was a really, really big trend today is not only just a lot of injuries, a lot of big name injuries, the two biggest ones being Saquon Barkley and Nick Bosa both being carted off the field. And they haven't announced anything yet because it hasn't had enough time for images to be done but both are suspected of possibly having ACL tears and would be out for the season. So that really sucks. But then even aside from those guys who could be out for the year, there were some other more minor injuries amongst big name players, including Christian McCaffrey leaving the game with ankle injury, Devontae Adams leaving the game with hamstring injury, and Drew Locke going down with, I believe, was a shoulder. So yeah, lots of big players not doing well as far as the as far as health is concerned today. Right. And who knows if that's a result of kind of the shortened offseason programs and lack of preseason games at all i mean they played zero preseason games to ramp up their bodies this year so maybe that's a result of that uh and then one other injury i want to mention is the self-esteem of the new york jets just beat down 31 to 13 by the 49ers today it was never close raheem mostert for the niners ran for an 80 yard touchdown on the first play from scrimmage for the niners frank gore i think got 21 carries today yeah interesting stat that i just saw pop up on espn stats and info frank gore today became the first player in nfl history over the age of 60 to have at least 20 carries, 20 carries in a game. I thought he was like 58. Uh, no, 60. Turned 60 last week. Oh, goodness. But yeah, Frank Gore, their starting running back now that Le'Veon Bell went down. He's on IR with a hamstring injury. Their best receivers out there are Chris Hogan and Braxton Berrios. And I, I picked Adam Gase to get fired before week six, before the season, because the Jets are my dumpster fire of the year. But I'm wondering, like, are they torturing Adam Gase? What's going on there? Maybe they don't like him, and this is their retribution. There's just there's more behind the scenes going on here because like we've talked about you think that the Jags are clearly tanking for Trevor Lawrence and it seems like the Jets are tanking but presumably they think they have their quarterback in Sam Darnold right like what are they doing I'm I'm not sure I mean one thing though is that even though the Jets looked as bad as they did and they had a loss the Niners in winning this game might have had the bigger losses like this is one of those games if you're the Niners where you get a W in the in the win column but it's just such a big drop in morale for the season as far as losing Nick Bosa possibly for the year. Jimmy G went down. Another defensive lineman starter, Solomon Thomas, who was a top five pick a couple years ago, went down. That's just one of those games that reminds me of a few years back as Dogs fans when the Dogs would go to Tennessee. This happened twice in a row in Knoxville and they would win, but like three guys would tear their ACL and it's like, well, I would I would take the loss if those guys could stay, stay healthy. It yeah, exactly. Sucks. It's hard to walk away from that kind of win feeling good about it going forward. But And you didn't even mention George Kittle was out today. Yeah, George Kittle didn't even play, yeah. Yeah, he was out before the game with a knee injury, so uh, continue to monitor that. But yeah, the the Niners, really good team. NFC contender, obviously, coming off that Super Bowl appearance last year, but they are very banged up. And then we've got to mention the Cowboys and Falcons. We are not going to rub it in, Falcons fans, as we are Cowboys fans, but just crazy comeback in that game. Cowboys couldn't hold on to the ball at all in the first half. They fumbled four times in the first quarter, I believe, losing three of those, had a huge deficit, ended up coming back at the end. So that was kind of a crazy game, ended up 40-39. to 39. Yeah, it was a great game. Wild finish with that movie onside kick. I don't know if that's going to become a new trend. It was like out of the movie Alley Cat Strike where yes. he spins the bowling ball and it's just kind of this slow burn all the way down. I don't know how that happened. That's one of my favorite my favorite plays I've ever seen in a football game. That was incredible. 
it was pretty insane and i i don't want to pile on like you said but i have to shout out our friend uh, bookie betts he's a big dak prescott hater so bookie how'd you like that performance from dak today 450 yards and four total tutties yeah that's that hurts yeah and then another two teams that have really impressed me through two weeks that are both undefeated right now the rams have looked really really good on their demolition tour of the nfc east whooping the cowboys and then the eagles in the first two weeks they had a really balanced offensive attack today. Jared Goff at 267 yards and three touchdowns. That ran for almost 200 yards, led by Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown. Also forced three turnovers on defense. They're really good. Yeah, the Rams have a lot of good players. They they made the Super Bowl in 2018 and then kind of fell off with the you know classic Super Bowl hangover last year. But they're still around. They haven't lost all that much. I mean, they still got Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey on that side of the ball. They got a lot of talent. And a great coach in Sean McVay. They do. And the only reason we picked them not to make the playoffs this year is just because that's a tough division. They it's got a, a tough very schedule. Tough division, but, but starting off 2 0 against two teams who were supposed to be decent in the Cowboys and Eagles. I know the injuries are kind of piling up for both of those teams, but yeah, the Rams look good. For sure. And then the other team I wanted to point out before we, before we move on was the Buffalo Bills. They had a narrow victory today over the Dolphins, but I have said before that I think the Bills are going to go as far as Josh Allen takes them. And he threw for over 400 yards and four touchdowns today. If he can do that, scary scary team in buffalo they are he had 417 and four touchdowns i mean you got to start by doing it against the bad teams Mm -hmm. you do that first it's practice he did it against the dolphins lit them up and then eventually he'll be able to do it against the good ones so kind of transforming his game a little bit and he was he was doing josh allen things i know you showed me that replay of him scrambling he ran over like three linebackers and then fumbled (laughs) i think they recovered the ball but it's like josh allen like you you gotta start protecting the ball a little bit buddy yeah even if he does crazy things like that it's still amazing to watch he's so much fun i mean i think you put lamar jackson number one for me right now as far as most fun quarterbacks to watch i think kyler murray's kind of sneaking up into number two for me because he's really fun and i think josh allen's number three like those guys who use their legs but can also throw and just do unpredictable wild things i love that yeah, Josh Allen is way up there. I think he was second in the league in rushing attempts for quarterbacks last year behind Lamar. So people don't think of him quite as much of a dual threat as he is, but that's his game. He's really fun to watch. You mentioned Kyler. He's playing right now along with Lamar Jackson and Mahomes are on. So really good four o'clock slate if you love quarterbacks to Sean Watson too. But anyway, I think that's about all we have for NFL today. You want to talk about NBA? Let's talk some NBA basketball. Let's start off with the Heat versus the Celtics. Celtics had a big game three victory last night cutting the series lead to two to one for the heat what'd you see in that game well first i'm kind of torn on who i want to win the series i predicted the celtics in seven before and it's one of those where like i don't really know who i'm pulling for until it gets deep into it and i have to let my emotions take over as i watch but i don't know i mean i just i think that the celtics were the better team in game one and the heat just somehow pulled it out and then the heat crushed him game two a little bit of an emotional letdown for Boston and then Celtics came back strong in game three with Gordon Hayward back in the lineup he played 31 minutes didn't play well but huge for their rotation so I'm sticking with the Celtics in seven here okay yeah I think that it's funny how sports are like that I can go into watching a game thinking that I'm a neutral observer, but I always just, for some reason, even subconsciously find myself rooting for one team. Yeah. All of a sudden, one team will score, and I, I cheer for it. I'm like, oh, I guess I'm going for them. Didn't really know it. But I'm definitely going for the Heat in this game, or in this series, I should say. The Celtics did look really, really good in game three. They had four guys with over 20 points, so that's tough to stop. Gordon Hayward didn't put up a lot of shots, really, but he he looked good. He was moving really well. That could be a big addition. He's, he's making $32 million this year for them. 
the fact that they are making it this far without having him since the first game of the playoffs is pretty impressive. That's very impressive. Yeah. And like I said, he's just huge for their rotation. Just another six, nine body out there. Good defender. Good on both sides of the floor. One interesting guy who is my favorite guy, you already know who I'm going for right here, is Duncan Robinson. In the last two games combined, I believe he's combined for 10 threes in those two games. But at the same time, the Celtics are going all out. Every time he's on the floor, they are giving his guy the ball and they're going at him hard. They are playing extreme bully ball against Duncan Robinson. So we'll see how he holds up in game four and then going forward in the series. I just think it's going to be a battle to the end. I think this is going seven. I do too. And I think the role players like your boy Duncan Robinson just are going to play such a huge piece in this. Like last game, game three, the first one that the Heat lost, there are other three starters outside of Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. So that's Goran Dragic, Jay Crowder, and Duncan Robinson combined for 34 points. I mean, that's just not going to work. Those guys need to get to, you know, in the 40s up to 50 points, support Jimmy and Adebayo as they play well. And yeah, they just need, you know, five or six guys getting into double figures, spread the ball around, and that's how they're going to beat the Celtics team. One thing to keep an eye on is Jimmy Butler was sitting on the bench a little bit towards the end of the game. I'm not exactly sure. I've seen an update as to what's going on there, but that's something to keep an eye on going forward. Bam Adebayo had an incredible game. I think he had 27 and 16. Like That guy's awesome. He did. He just continues to get better and not year over year. I mean, he's only a sophomore this year, I think, but just game over game, like you just see improvements in the way he's playing. And you mentioned Jimmy sitting at the end of the game. I think he was just a little sad. Was he just sad? He yeah. Was, he was sitting in a close game at the very end because he was sad? Jimmy butt hurt. <laughs> right. And I have a question for you just because I'm curious about this. I had a friend text me yesterday saying that Tyler Hero is like the next Kyle Korver. But I was like mentioning to him, he's such a good passer and rebounder and he can slash a little bit too. I was wondering what kind of comp that you would possibly have for the future of Tyler Hero. Say, I mean, he's 20 years old right now. In four or five years, who do you think Tyler Hero compares to? Like what kind of player do you think he's going to be? That's an interesting question. I'm going to have to think about it for a minute. And I'm really curious because I feel like you wouldn't ask unless you had someone in mind. Well, I've actually heard this comp on sports talk shows recently, the Devin Booker comp. And I'm, I was shocked by it at first. And then when I looked at it, I was like, that actually might be kind of good. I mean, Devin Booker came into the league as a guy who was known for his shooting first, but he's become more of a playmaker and he is a sneaky contributor in rebounds and assists. He averaged six and a half assists and four rebounds this year. That's not great, but that's solid. Six and a half assists is really good. And Tyler Hero in this series, especially has been a really good facilitator and a really good rebounder, especially when he's on the back line of that two, three zone that they've been running. I think that's kind of a cool comparison, even though he might not necessarily get to that all-star, he could be an all-star, but not that like crazy top 10, top five score in the NBA like Devin Booker. He could be that type of player. I can see that. I mean, he's really good. I like him on both ends. I don't know if he's going to be the kind of guy that can score 70 in a game like Devin Booker, but you know, he's dating an Instagram model. So that's kind of similar to Devin Booker in that sense with Kendall Jenner, right? I guess so. He also keeps that fade super tight. He, I guarantee he's at that barbershop at least once a day. He might be doing two a days. Yes, he might be going every six hours. Tyler Hero, <laughs> keep an eye on him. He's he's going to be a stud in the league. I'm not sure. I mean, what's the knock on Devin Booker? He's not great defensively, is he? He's not bad. I'm not sure there's too much of a knock on Devin Booker. He's a good player. I mean, how old he is he He just right plays now? for the Suns. I mean, yeah. he's like 23, 24. He was at Kentucky a few years ago. Don't say the Suns with that demeanor. They're the undefeated bubble Suns. They are. They are the eight, no, eight and no bubble Suns. They're coming in hot next year. Devin Booker is 23, I've just confirmed. He's really good. Averaged 26 and a half points a game this year. Yeah, I like that comp. 
All right, well, Heat Celtics, we think it's going to seven, both of us, but who do you think would be a better matchup for the Lakers, assuming the Lakers are coming out of the West? I think that the Lakers match up pretty well with any of the teams remaining, and I do think the Lakers are going to come out of the West after watching game one. I don't think the Nuggets can ever be counted out, which we've learned for the last two series. When they're down three to one, they've come back twice. So do not count the Nuggets out, but I don't think they match up well at all with the Lakers. The Lakers have three guys in Anthony Davis, JaVale McGee, and Dwight Howard that they can put on Nikola Jokic. And the Nuggets have nobody they can put on AD. He had 37 points and 10 rebounds pretty effortlessly in game one. And then LeBron didn't even have to try really to score. He was just in full-on point guard mode. I just don't know if they have enough firepower to match up with the Lakers. I don't think they do. And we had mentioned previously that the Lakers were kind of sleeping or sleepwalking through game one of both of the previous series. And it was kind of like LeBron was just on autopilot again. He went into point guard mode, but this time they're actually just able to win it because Mm -hmm. AD can just abuse Jokic and the bigs for the Nuggets while he's on offense. Like you said, 37 points. I mean, I just don't think they have an answer for him. They're going to feed him all series long. The supporting cast for the Lakers has really stepped up as well. KCP is shooting the ball really well. Rondo, once again, has been a huge addition off the bench for them. And then they reinserted JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard into the lineup. And especially Dwight Howard in limited minutes had a really big impact just with his size and athleticism, bodying up on Jokic, attacking the offensive glass. It was good to see Dwight out there killing it again. He played well. So did JaVale. But I meant to ask you this before this series started. I guess I can still ask it now with the Lakers up 1-0. What do you think is more likely from the series in the Western Conference Finals? The Lakers sweeping or the Nuggets winning the series? I think the Nuggets winning the series is more likely. I don't think the Lakers are going to sweep. I think they're the better team, but the Nuggets, I, I want to keep on saying the Nuggets are a very good team. They are not in this point, at this point, by a fluke. They beat the Clippers three consecutive games. You don't do that unless you're a good team. That one-two combo of Jokic and Murray, they're just really, really good. I think they're going to win a game or two. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to win a game or two also, but in terms of what's more likely, I mean, I just, I think it's close to zero that they win the series, in my opinion. I just, I just don't think they match up well, as well as they've been playing. Like you said, AD is just a nightmare for them. So if I have to handicap it, I'm going to say I'd give it a 20% chance that the Lakers sweep and a 15% chance that the Nuggets win the series. Okay. That's fair. Well, we're about to get a lot more information coming up soon because by the time y'all listen to this, we're recording this on Sunday evening. We will have had game two already because it's going down at 730 on Sunday night. So we'll see what goes on there that'll do it for today's nba talk let's move on to a little bit of major league baseball the regular season ends a week from today it's crazy we're already at that point then playoffs right after at the end of september looking forward to some playoff baseball i think the biggest piece of news i saw in this past week from mlb is that albert pujols hit his 661st and 662nd career home run to move into fifth all-time. What you think about that? That's pretty amazing. You got to mention that the one he passed was Willie Mays, which is just a legendary name. I think he's one of those guys that growing up, you always just heard that name at the top of all kinds of statistical categories. So passing him is huge. It makes me think back. Do you remember what we saw of Sammy Sosa? Yeah. Yeah. So we saw Sammy Sosa's 600 first home run. We got there the night after he hit number 600. So we just missed a really cool milestone. But I mean, pretty incredible career. 
Albert Pujols, sadly today, is mostly known for being vastly overpaid for his current production level. I think going into this season, I could be wrong, I might be a year off, but I think he had three years left on his contract and it was still owed $93 million. It's not great. That's one of the reasons the Angels are in last place is because they owe him that much money and they, they can't get other guys because they got to pay a guy who's hitting whatever it is, 240 and like 12 bombs in a regular season. Yeah, he's the kind of guy you think of when you see someone like Bryce Harper sign a 13-year, $1 billion contract and you're like, that's not going to be very good towards the end. I mean, no. I think Pujols is like 40 years old and there's, I think, a little bit of question actually that he might actually be 42. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he's one of those guys where the, the circumstances surrounding his birth and birth certificate are not really clear and so he might be he might be Frank Gore's age. He might be, right. Yeah, if he was ever running for public office, Donald Trump would definitely want to see his birth certificate. But, <laughs> for sure. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lob you a Albert Pujols related trivia softball here. Oh, wow. Who were the four home run guys ahead of him? All Four time line guys have him are Barry Bonds. Yep. Number one. Oh, Hank Aaron's number two. That's right. Is Ken Griffey ahead of him? Nope. Wow, that's embarrassing. Let's so go. think about who um, Hank Aaron passed with seven fifteen. Babe Ruth. Yep. And then number not to four. be confused with his gay brother Gabe Ruth. <laughs> Great guy. Yes. I can't believe you just did that. I use I used that joke way too much for a terrible movie. <laughs> such a, I don't even remember what movie that's from. I just remember up. it's, uh, oh yeah, okay, it's Paul Rudd. Another, another terrible movie. That and Malibu's Most Wanted are the two <laughs> movies that we've referenced recently that should never be mentioned again. Oh, I'm not scared to quote terrible movies on a daily basis. Okay. And then number four would be, give so, me a hint. So I feel like the first three are pretty easy and number four is kind of sneaky. Obviously, you'll know it after I tell you, but my hint would be that he played for the Rangers. Okay. Recently? Somewhat recently. And the Mariners. A-Rod. Yep. Wow. Okay. A-Rod hit 696 bombs. I feel like people kind of discount him because he's just a clear steroid guy, but everyone still respects Barry Bonds being number one all time with 762. So Do they? I mean, I get like, he's still on the record books. He's still on the record books. Yeah. That's, that's one of the weird things about baseball just forever is every time you're going to look at these record books, you've got to go through and weed out who the guys are that were knowingly on steroids. And is that legitimate or not? It's just going to be how it is forever. Yeah, I guess so. You got, you got big head Barry at number one, Hank Aaron, number two, Babe Ruth doing it on beer and hot dogs at three and steroids air out at four dating Jennifer Lopez and stuff. <laughs> yeah, for real though. Well, now that you hit me with a trivia question, I'm going to come right back at you with a trivia question. Oh boy. Okay. So the background on this is that coming into today, two of the favorites for American league and national league MVP right now are Nelson Cruz in the American league and Fernando Tatis jr. In the national league. And if they both won, they would be both the oldest and youngest MVPs in major league baseball history, which would be really, really cool. If that happened in the same year, can you tell me the previous, if they win or the current, I guess, oldest and youngest MVPs in major league baseball history? Wow. Um, no. Okay. <laughs> is the short answer. So I'll give you a hint. The oldest is a guy that we just mentioned in that home run list. Really? Yes. Okay. You're talking about like the guys that do it in the same year or just the oldest no, no, ever no. do it and the, the youngest The oldest, oldest ever and youngest ever. Did A-Rod win MVP old? No, nope, It was Barry Bonds. He was 40 years old in 2004 when he won the National League MVP. 
Okay. So was that the year where he had like a 600 something OBP? Yes. Something and insane. like a 1500 OPS or something like that. It's just like, oh my gosh, his numbers. I'm telling you, he's one of those guys. If you haven't looked in a while, just need to do this every once in a while, just to remind yourself, especially at the end of a baseball season, when you see all these guys end of year stats, go back and look at Barry Bonds end of year stats from the early 2000s. It is a joke. It is video game numbers. Yeah. Bonds was a movie in the late 90s, early 2000s, but youngest MVP ever. I mean, Mike Trout's got to be close. Yeah, this is a really hard one. So I'm just going to give it to you. It's from 1970. It's a guy you've heard of, but you wouldn't just guess it off the top of your head. Johnny Bench was 22 years old, just over 22 years old, um, 26 days plus 22 years in 1970 when he won the National League MVP. So if Fernando Tatis Jr. won this year, he'd be 21 and would therefore take over as the youngest MVP ever. Well, that's pretty awesome. Fernando Tatis is the man. I hope he wins it. So Johnny Bench wouldn't have guessed him. Trout had to be close, but thanks for the trivia. There you go. Yeah. Fernando Tatis is not only one of the best players in baseball, he's one of the more exciting guys to watch. He's just so, so good. I wanted to also talk about a couple of stories out of Chicago with baseball. I think the good thing about what's going on right now is that there's so many sports that it's just a great time to watch and every week and you're overloaded. But the bad part is that there are some really good stories that get buried because there's other things going on. I think the Chicago White White Sox are just an incredible story of a comeback this year. Last season, they finished 17 games under 500. They were 28 and a half games back at first place. And right now they are winning the AL Central and are almost assuredly going to win that division. Like just a really cool story for the White Sox. They are a really cool story. We talked about them as a team to watch with a ton of young talent that could develop and get really good this year. And they have. They're a lot of fun to watch. So yeah, there are a few teams in the American League, the Oakland A's that I'm really excited to watch in the playoffs too. The Minnesota Twins kind of getting up there. The AL's loaded. AL is loaded. And then over on Chicago's other side in the National League, I was just looking at box scores the other day. And because I'm not playing fantasy baseball this year, and because there's so many other sports going on, and I haven't like dug super deep into a ton of baseball stats this year, I was absolutely shocked at the stats from some of the Chicago Cubs lineup. Have you seen them? All I know is that I have Chris Bryant in fantasy baseball, and he's absolutely terrible. But no, which ones are you talking about? Okay, so I want to you know preface this by saying... The Cubs are doing really, really well this year. They are, I think, have a four and a half game lead in the NL Central. They're going to win that division. They're well over 500. But have you seen what their top name players are doing? So batting average wise, Javi Baez is hitting 209. They've got Anthony Rizzo hitting 211. Kyle Schwarber hitting 192 and Chris Bryant hitting 195. How are they winning? That is pretty abysmal. I did not know they were all doing that poorly outside of Chris Bryant. The reason I guess that they're winning is their pitching. I mean, I know you Darvish has been absolutely lights out. And then I think that uh, Kyle Kendricks has been really good too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Kyle Hendricks has been really, really good. Yeah. So one thing I also wanted to ask you because of all those guys, can you name just rapid fire the batting average leader for the Chicago Cubs? Oh boy. So you just mentioned Schwarber. Hmm. Is it a starter? It is. It's a guy who's got a lot of at-bats. He's, he has, let's see, 175 at-bats this year, which is third most on the team. Jason Hayward? No, <laughs> it is Ian Happ. What about the home run leader for the Cubs? Jason Hayward? Ian Happ. What about the RBI leader? Ian Happ. Ian Happ. Okay, if you said OB- Jason Hayward, I was going to kill you. <laughs> OBP leader Ian Happ hits Ian Happ. I mean, that guy's killing it. He's one of the reasons that they're doing really well despite all their star players and big names not doing well. So, I mean, that's what you got to do. You got to have some guys break out, and he seems to be a breakout player that I haven't really heard much about this year. Did you know that he's a podcaster? Is he? 
Ian Happ's got his own podcast. It's called The Compound. Maybe we'll uh, we'll lead the Cubs in stats one day. That would be sick. Be super cool. I, I also want you to go back and listen to that little uh, MLB preview we did in our, I think, first ever episode. I did say Ian Happ could be a really good player. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. Okay, check, check I'll, I'll check it out. <laughs> check the tape. All right. And then lastly, just want to talk about the U.S. Open. Bryson DeChambeau, despite coming into Sunday behind, he was in second place behind Matthew Wolf. just absolutely went nuts today. He was the only player to play at all today who finished under par for today and for the tournament. He was 300 today, six under for the tournament. What'd you see out of Bryson DeChambeau? Well, he absolutely dominated the field. I think he won by six strokes. And then, you know, it's hard to say he dominated the course, but he did well and he did better than people were expecting, you know, anyone to do. But he did, I think we saw the stat that he hit the fewest fairways of any U.S. Open champion ever. He had 23 of 56 fairways. But the way you overcome that is just by absolutely bombing it and still giving yourself incredible angles and really short approach shots so that you can kind of stick it and have birdie putts on the green. So, yeah, DeChambeau, he's, he's changing the game. He is changing the game. Yeah, that's the thing is that all the fairways were so hard to hit. If you're going to miss the fairway, if you miss it 350 yards versus 310 yards, you had a big advantage. But yeah, I'm very interested to see if this changes the circumstances surrounding golf in any way. I really truly wonder if other guys are going to follow in his footsteps, try to bulk up, try to gain weight, change their loft of their clubs and just try to bomb away. I mean, it could very much happen. We talk about how the NFL is a copycat league. People tend to mimic success and people might want to do this. Is golf going to become a meathead sport? I think it would be hilarious if next year at the US Open we had a bunch of dudes weighing 250 just absolutely nailing the ball. That would just, be so much fun. <laughs> yeah, golf as a meathead sport would be absolutely fantastic TV. But yeah, Bryson, I mean, he just, he finally like validated all of what he's done and this whole body transformation, his style of play change with this victory. So getting his first major, that's absolutely huge. And we'll, uh, like you said, have to see if all these guys come back juiced out of their minds next year. Yeah, for sure. People hate on Bryson DeChambeau a lot, and I'm not so into the golf game that I fully understand it. I think that people don't necessarily like him breaking off of the standards and the norm that's been going on for so long, but I give him respect. A win's a win. Got to take that all day. Yeah, I don't dislike Bryson. I mean, after watching his little virtual interview that he did after winning the US Open with his parents and his brother, I mean, that was actually pretty heartwarming. Yeah, it made him very heartwarming moment. Yes, yeah, made him seem like a more likable guy. But I think it's just the Puma hat, dude. Like that stupid hat is just yeah, what everyone hates. That's the one thing. If he would just wear a normal hat, I think I think he could take over the world. He might. <laughs> He's the scientist. But yeah, I also think part of the reason people don't like him is he came after Brooks. You can't come after El Capitan of Team All Bad Boy and expect people not to clap back. That's why you don't like him. That's why everyone doesn't like oh him. Oh my God. You think there's just worldwide fans of Team All Bad Boy? No, but fans of Brooks. People love Brooks. Okay, the ladies love Brooks. I thought you were saying you seen that. seen his arms? That, be, have you seen Bryson's arms? Yeah, but he's not a hot guy. Yeah, that's true. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought right. you were trying to tell me that the hundreds of millions of people that listen to this podcast all around the world supported your team all bad boy and they were, for, were therefore rallying against Bryson DeChambeau. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying they support Brooks. But anyway, we'll keep an eye on what Brooks and DeChambeau do in this golf season and in following years to see if people get more jacked and start bombing the ball down the fairway. But before we wrap up, I have to at least mention that we are now in the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Dallas Stars are Dallas Stars. We are huge fans. Went to a game last year. Don't question our fanhood. We did go to a Stars game last year. It was sick. 
It was sick. Yeah, we, we don't really pay much attention to hockey, but if our squad's in the Stanley Cup Finals, we're going to watch it. They're up 1-0 against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Let's go, Stars. Let's go. And then I guess if we're talking about other obscure sports that we don't normally talk about, UFC happened last night. I got to shout out my boy, Kamzat Chemaev. Yeah, I took the shark to beat him. The odds were good, plus 400, and he got knocked out in 16 seconds? Yes, yeah, 16 seconds. And better it, than 15? It is, it is slightly better than 15 seconds. It wasn't just that. It was that quick. It was the fashion which it happened. They kind of circled around each other for 15 seconds. And then the first shot that was thrown was just a right hand down the middle. The shark dog got wet noodled, went straight to the ground, walk off KL. But you're about to hear some Conor McGregor level hype for Kamzat Chemaev in the next couple of months. So just be prepared for it. You heard it here first. Kamzat Chemaev, absolute monster. Yeah, keep an eye on Kamzat. He seems like a really fun guy to watch. And then I want to talk about your boy Colby Covington, who you told oh, me was man. a huge troll and always had who Donald Trump Jr. sitting yep. at the uh, ringside of his fights. I saw an interview of him. It was actually my first first exposure to the guy. Was it his post fight interview? Yeah. Oh yeah. When he he was calling out some people's politics and everybody, and he was uh, supporting you know first responders and all that, and he called LeBron yes. a spineless coward. That's what he does. He just, so this guy yeah. is going after people. I don't know. how how much of it is legitimate, how much of it is him like trying to make a name for himself and kind of get in the media, but that guy is a big troll, like yes. you said. He tries to just piss everybody off. Did you do you see or did you hear the song he comes out to? No. He comes out to the Kurt Angle you suck thing. Oh really? Yeah, he like I wants, love that. He wants everyone to chant that when he walks out. Like that's just who he is. It's what he does. He tries to call everyone out. He always wears his make America great again hats or keep America great hats. He just yeah, he's trying to piss everybody off. But it makes the UFC fun because everyone hates him, but he's good. And so, you know, time to do battle. Love it. Well, Covington and Chimaev, the guys to watch in the UFC. That's right. All right. That's going to be it for our episode today. Thank you so much for tuning in once again. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to us on Apple and Spotify and leave us some ratings and reviews. Hope to talk to y'all soon. Have a good day. Oh.